0: This podcast episode should not be used as a substitute for medical or mental health advice. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical advice, counseling, and or therapy from a healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issue, or health inquiry, including matters discussed on this podcast episode. Welcome back to the Unfiltered Podcast. This is episode 19. In today's episode, Lucienne, a registered counselor specializing in narcissistic abuse, will answer these five questions from our community. 1. I have been rejecting her hoovering for months and she is getting so angry about it. I don't understand why she can't see why I am rejecting her. She abused me for years, ruined my life. How does she still feel like she has a right to be in my life? 2. I'm having a hard time figuring out the difference between gaslighting and when someone is just disagreeing with me. How can I tell the difference between the two? I don't want to write people off who don't deserve it. 3. What are 10-5 to tips that you have that can help me safely detach myself emotionally from the narcissist in my life? 4. Can you please give me a few examples of scapegoating in a family setting? I'm not sure if I am the family scapegoat or not. 5. I have been struggling with self-doubt my entire life. When the narcissist in my life starts to use projection, how can I spot it? How can I stop gaslighting myself into believing their projections? Hi Lucianne thank you for joining me today. It's nice to have you in this podcast episode and speak with you again.
1: Hi thank you likewise thank you
0: <laughs> Thank you so much So uh, let's get started with today's questions right away. So the first one is I have been rejecting her hoovering for months and she is getting so angry about it. I don't understand why she can't see why I am I am rejecting. Rejecting her she abused me for years ruined my life. How does she still feel like she has a right to be in my life?
1: Mm-hmm. So first of all, she will never understand from their point of view Um She's just concerned about her needs being met and that's it um, So it doesn't really matter whatever they say to her. It's she's just not going to understand um, she can only see from her perspective um she also f- will feel entitled um so you know if if they're thinking about leaving her for example, then that's gonna annoy her because her needs might not be met so um but and yet at the same time she's entitled to have her needs being met by them um yes, and of course she'll she'll have very little empathy so um no consideration for for anybody else um I feel like she's probably just trying to hoover them back um you know by giving them some you know saying something nice just to keep them hooked into it all um so again so that her needs will be met
0: mm, thank you so much and when you mention uh needs being met uh like if you think about healthy relationships like two uh people non narcissistic people in a healthy relationship, you can, uh, like, we can, we can think that the health, uh, the relationship can give a lot to both parties. But then if you think about a narcissistic person or a narcissist, and you think how badly they treat others, so like, then, at least I it makes me think that they their relationship really doesn't give anything or gives only negative things for both parties. So when you say needs met, what do you mean by that? Because when I think about it, what do like, can you explain what what do you mean by mm, needs being met when their relationship is so toxic and so negative? So what do they actually get out of these relationships? (laughs)
1: Yep. Yeah. Well I suppose one of the things with narcissistic people is that they need they need emotional supply, don't they? So they need you, you know, they either need you to be crying because that shows how much you love them or they need you to be all, you know, just giving all your attention to them um to sort of just feed them with what they need basically emotionally. So if they're, you know, if they're um I don't know if they're feeling unloved then of course them you know more oh you're just wonderful and the more that you say to make them feel loved then that will help them a little bit you know that's what they that's what they're constantly seeking
0: okay thank you so much for clarifying that and understanding my confusing question <laughs> Okay, let's go to the second question and it is, uh, I'm having a hard time figuring out the difference between gaslighting and when someone is just disagreeing with me. How can I tell the difference between the two? I don't want to write people off who don't deserve it. Mm
1: -hmm. So the way I always think about this is that gaslighting is denying somebody else's reality. So I'll get back to that in a second. So disagreeing is more about having an opinion about something. So, you know, Oh, I like, you know, I like cheese. Oh, I don't like cheese. That's a different opinion, but it doesn't matter does it? if you like cheese or you don't like cheese Um, or you find something interesting. Oh no, I find that boring. These are all just normal opinions and we're all different. So it's good to be different. Gaslighting is when you're actually Denying somebody else's reality, so if if there's a big red bus in front of you and one person says, "Oh, that's a big red bus," and another person says, "No, that's not red, it's actually blue <laughs> that's denying your reality. You know we all have we all have our own perception of the world and our own perception of reality but when when somebody just outrightly really denies it. That to me is gaslighting because then you start thinking, gosh, am I actually going mad here? Have I lost the plot? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Thank you. I suppose going back to a a couple, for example, it would be more like an argument, you know, oh, you said whatever on Friday. No, I didn't say that. So that's outrightly gaslighting. No, I didn't say those words when you remember that, yes, they did say that you know, Mm. so Mm. yes. So I guess just denying that. Yeah, denying their reality.
0: Okay, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Do you know why they deny reality often? For example, in your example that you gave about couple arguing, like, why would the other party, the non narcissistic person, oh, I mean, narcissistic person say, No, I didn't say that.
1: Because to admit the truth, would mean that they were wrong and Mm. narcissistic people can't ever be wrong. They have to be always in the superior position. Always. They always have to be right or they knew it first. They have to be best, you know, all of these things. So for them to say, Oh yes, I did say that. And I, I made a mistake. Sorry. They don't ever say that. So Mm. the only way to get around it, is to outrightly deny it and say, no, I didn't say that. And then that that sort of takes them off the hook. <laughs> mm. OK,
0: yeah, thank you. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the third question, what sorry, are. F- I just thinking, sorry yeah, just no problem. about
1: that when when they outrightly deny something as well, it makes it really difficult for the other person to come back then. You know, mm-hmm. so normally if you have an argument You you can say your case, and then the person says their case. But when somebody just cuts it and says no, that didn't happen, you have nowhere to go in your argument. (laughs) You Mm, know, it's a good way of blocking the other person from trying to sort it out as well.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. Like there is no reason to argue if something didn't happen, right? <laughs> like...
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's very clever.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think And someone who doesn't know about narcissism or is dealing with a narcissist for the first time in their life, it might be very like hard to understand why would someone deny real reality like that? If like, then you Naturally, might think, okay, maybe I am the one who is remembering wrong because you just can't understand why would someone so clearly just deny it? Yeah,
1: exactly. And usually they say with such authority, like that didn't happen. Of course, it didn't happen. You are the one going mad. So most of us go, oh gosh, okay, okay.
0: okay." (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, So then the third question. What are five to 10 tips that you have that can help me safely detach myself emotionally from the narcissist in my life?
1: Okay, I've written down (laughs) 10 about 10 tips. Some of them are kind of the same repeating themselves. And anyway, so I'm just going to read these out to you. Is that okay?
0: Of course. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, So this is these are just 10 of the main ones that that I came up with Uh, So the very first thing I would say is to ask yourself what is it that you are needing from them so are you needing validation from them are you needing approval praise what is it that you're actually wanting from them and usually you'll find that you can actually give that to yourself and you don't need it from them because if you if 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 you feel that you cannot give it to yourself and that makes you sort of dependent on the narcissistic person. So, yeah, I think ask yourself that what is it that I'm needing from this um, from this relationship? Um, yes, just so that you know where you're where you're coming from, I suppose. OK, number two, uh, recognize that they are narcissistic and it's not your fault. It's got nothing to do with you. It's nothing personal about you. You haven't done anything wrong they are just you know venting their anger or controlling or blaming others or whatever it's got nothing to do with you and it's not your fault <laughs> okay number three uh be aware of the the carpman drama triangle are you do you know about this
0: no it's, can you explain
1: um, it's uh carpman he, he designed this triangle uh, triangle normal triangle and um, so on one point is the persecutor that's where, you know, you're critical, you're blaming the other person, shouting at them, aggressive, whatever, and that's the persecutor. On the other bit of the triangle is the victim mode. So, you know, victim, like, oh, poor me, poor me, this happened to me. And it was, I'm just a victim, I'm the innocent person. But both of these roles, both of the, the persecutor and the victim, they force the other the, the other person to go into rescuer mode. So rescuer is the third part of this drama triangle. It's just about the, the whole interaction, basically, of, you know, the cause and not of drama, basically, what you know, a dramatic situation. So a persecutor victim forces you into being rescuer. So obviously, if somebody's shouting and criticising, you eventually go into, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's my fault just to rescue the situation. You say sorry and try to get over it. And again, if they go into victim mode, you know, if somebody's saying, oh, it's my fault, I'm just terrible, then most of us would go, oh, gosh, it's okay, I forgive you. And, you know, you try and rescue them. So narcissistic people often just, you know, oscillate between persecutor and victim mode because both of them provoke the the rescuing need in us especially if we were raised by narcissistic people, we've already been trained into if somebody's um, persecuting or in in victim mode, then we automatically go to rescue them. So it's, again, it's the perfect dynamic. Really. (laughs) I know this is a podcast, right? So people can't see me with my hands and pointing at the triangle. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes, makes a lot of (laughs) sense. Thank you.
1: You can look up on the internet. Um, for the listeners it's Carpman is k-a-r-p-m-a-n okay that's thank the you who did the Tom triangle um so yeah so that's quite it's quite good to recognize at least when the narcissistic person is going into persecutor and if that doesn't work then they'll often go into victim mode you know it's just good to be aware of it um okay number four again accept that you cannot change them or help them they are who they are it's not your responsibility to change them. You can't do anything. So just accept that they cannot change and you cannot change them. That's a really, I'm seeing this like it's so easy, but that's a really hard one to do. Uh, okay. Number five, build yourself up. So surround yourself with supporting friends, do things that make you feel good. Um just do things to prove to yourself that you're not that bad or damaged you're not the problem that you're lovely as you are Um just yeah just anything to just build yourself up your self-esteem you know because I think when you've been if you've been with a narcissistic person for a long time with all the criticism and shouting putting you down you lose your self-confidence you know so that's good to just try and build yourself up uh, okay, number six is to set some boundaries. So again, I have I think the last time I mentioned the boundaries book, um, I can't remember the author, oh, by Birch, E. Birch. But um, that, yeah, that's just the perfect thing to explain your boundaries, what boundaries you want for yourself just to keep yourself safe. Um, okay, number seven, be aware of their hooks and don't get hooked in. This actually comes, I don't know if you know this person, Pema Chodron, I don't know how to say her second name. Um, She's a spiritual, she might be a Buddhist person. I don't know. Um, And she talks about being hooked into things, into the drama, which is exactly what narcissistic people love doing. They'll just, you know, they'll, I don't know, they'll say anything just to get you hooked in either you know oftentimes they'll be um oh you said you know they'll say a complete lie you did this or you said that and it makes you because you did you know that you didn't say or do that so then you go in to defend yourself that's you getting hooked in immediately and of course then they've got you so it's trying to be aware oh that's just a hook it's a lie and i don't believe it i know it's wrong but i'm not going to get hooked in. i'm not going to defend myself I'm not gonna do anything you know so it's recognizing ah that's another hook to get me hooked in Uh, okay number eight be aware of their power games so you know how they often they like to hold power they like to compete with you they always have to win they always have to be right superior all of these things so just being aware of these little power games one that I hear all the time uh, that's such power game is when you send a text to a narcissistic person and they don't answer like for days and days, they leave you hanging <laughs> and that's just them keeping their power, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> OK, number nine um, is to observe their behaviour as though you're a psychologist observing a specimen. That's really good to just take a step back and detach from them as being a human being. Just try to observe them as though you're you know as though you're observing a monkey or something I don't know um just to keep yourself detached from it so and the last one um probably yeah probably one of the most important as well is being aware of their breadcrumbing and their hoovering. So if they're doing something nice to you, just being aware that this is not probably like could, it could be wrong, of course, but it's probably not them doing something nice for you because they want to do something nice for you. It's probably because they're trying to butter you up because they have got something they want you to do. Or, you know, they'll be often there's an ulterior motive behind it. That's why they're doing something nice. I'm giving you a breadcrumb. So, okay, that's all 10, if any of them helped.
0: <laughs> no, that was a um, really comprehensive list and very helpful. Thank you for <laughs> writing all 10 tips down. And I really I really liked, uh, was it number nine or eight, uh, the, that you step back? and observe their behavior because that's very like logical approach often when we have emotions or we are like uh, our emotions are still connected to these people, it might be harder to logically to actually think what they are doing, what they are saying. So when you encourage people to objectively observe what is happening, it's easier maybe to do decisions that are really best for you and your own health. Yeah. yeah, Great. Uh, let's go to the fourth question. It's can you please give me a few examples of scapegoating in a family setting? I'm not sure if I'm the family scapegoat or not.
1: Hmm. This was a funny one because um... That there's so many examples, and then I, when I had to, you know, think about this, I thought, gosh, I can't think of one. <laughs> and then I was remembering back to me being a child in my family, um, mm-hmm. and me being scapegoat, um, and other families and stuff. Um, and then once I started, then a whole load came, <laughs> you know, into my head. So probably as I'm saying a few of these, hopefully your listeners will also, oh yes, and this, and they'll remember, you know, other things that happened to them then come into their head so scapegoating is just you know being blamed um usually there's one person in the family who's blamed for everything so it's often the submissive younger the most quiet person who's easier to bully they get blamed for everything (laughs) so and then the rest of the family members can often just oh well it's always their fault it's linda we'll call them linda it's linda's fault and that's that and then the family sort of unites the family, the rest of the family together as well against Linda, you know, so they all feel a bit more powerful having this Linda to always blame. So yeah, so examples then. So Linda's knocked over the glass Um not Linda, sorry, somebody else has knocked over the glass. Oh, that was Linda because she left it there. <laughs> You know, well, of course, you know, if you've knocked over the glass, it's your fault. That's OK. Um, yeah. Um, so usually if something's missing or damaged, broken, not ready, if something's not washed or not ironed, then um, rather than them saying, oh, I, you know, I didn't get this ready or I can't find it, it's automatically, Ah, oh, it's Linda's fault. She didn't put it where it should be or she hasn't washed it or ironed it. Um, so if you've forgotten something, that's your fault as well, because you didn't remind them.
0: Right. Did yeah.
1: <laughs> you didn't remind them to remember.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> if they're late, then that's your fault for not telling them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um If you, if, oh no, if they have a sore tooth, that's because you gave them some sweets or a biscuit. Um, if they've had a bad day at work, that's it's your fault. You put them in a bad mood in the morning. Um, so just anything. And even if you weren't even in the same country, it's still your fault. <laughs> they, think, they have an amazing like how their brains wired. They can just wire it back to okay. That person was in, you know, Australia at the time, but it's their fault because they phoned at that time. And blah, blah, blah. they can just—it's amazing the neural connections that they make. <laughs> you know. Um, oh yes, yeah, so and this is the last one. If the car didn't start, oh well, you were the last person to drive to drive the car, so it's your mm, mm. um,
0: fault. Mm. Those were very eye-opening examples. Thank you. Like. <laughs> oh my god I'm just thinking how much this is happening right now in many families and it's so awful and horrible especially if you have like no clue about narcissism so you have no clue what's going on and you just believe that okay of course it's my fault like why why didn't I remind them like yeah (laughs) it's awful
1: it's funny because I'm when I'm reading them I, I can laugh about it and I can laugh about it now because I don't have that in my life anymore. You know, but at the time, I, I couldn't laugh about it. Yeah, I could see it was ridiculous. And of course, it wasn't my fault or whatever. But, you know, um, yeah, I can I can laugh about it now because I'm out. But when you're in it, you probably can't see the funny side of it at all.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, do you still, if I can ask, do you still find yourself maybe either doubting yourself that about some of the scapegoating accusations or uh, what you got or are you like completely passed of it and processed yes. it okay great uh,
1: i don't know if i'm completely past it, but yes um I, yeah i if somebody were to scapegoat me now if they were to blame me then i would stand up and say no no i i didn't do that or whatever um And I wouldn't really care if they believed me or not, because I know my truth. And that's that, mm,
0: mm. So
1: you know, I know, God knows, the universe knows what the truth is. If yeah. you uh, are thinking about something else, then that's OK. It doesn't matter. I know mm. what the truth is. So, yes. Yeah. Great. Great <laughs> to hear that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, then the final question. I have been struggling with self doubt my entire life. When the narcissist in my life starts to use projection, how can I spot it? How can I stop gaslighting myself into believing their projections? Mm
1: -hmm. This is all if if, again, if your listeners want to look this up on the internet, it's called projective identification. Um, Is it's basically when somebody's um, Accusing you of something. If you believe that to be true, then you will identify with it. And if you know that it's not true, then you won't. For example, the only like a silly example that I can think of is if if somebody says, "Oh, you're blue." Well, I know that I'm not blue. <laughs> So I won't be offended by anybody saying that I'm blue because I know that I'm not blue. (laughs) Okay. so a lot of people say, you know, about um, people feel bad about being fat or skinny, um, ugly, stupid. These are sort of the main things that most people say, oh, I feel really, you know, fat, ugly, stupid. Um. so let's say stupid for example if you believe all your life you've been told all your life that you're like a bit stupid not very intelligent Um, and then the narcissistic person say you know says that you're really stupid then a part of you just believes in so you identify with that even if you're like not not stupid at all you know, you've done OK at stuff and you can do some things, you know, most of us are fairly half intelligent, I think. <laughs> um, but if you it's, it's so there, the narcissistic person is thinking that they're not that smart and they're projecting it onto you. But if you believe that you are not that clever, then you will accept it. And that's that you're identifying with what they're saying. So what I would say is, if you can sort of just again build yourself up. So if there, if you, if there's a thing with being stupid, that's sort of an easier one to that most people can understand. Um, so collect evidence of your, you know, successes of your accomplishments, and just collect evidence of the things that you've done to prove to yourself that you are not stupid. Um, you know, and yeah. It's really hard, it's really hard to do this. It's taken years for me to do all of this, honestly. Years and years. Mm. Um, So yeah, collect evidence just to prove to yourself. Also collect evidence of what conversations you've had with them, with the narcissistic person. Again, to prove to yourself what was said and what was done. So, and I'm not saying again to use this as a, oh, look, I've got it written here what you said the other day. No, this is just for you. So that you know that you're not the one that's going mad. It's not you know you're not re- remembering things wrong. It did happen. You wrote it down, and that's that. You know, don't show it to them because they'll deny it anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so I think it's just a case of building up your self-esteem, um, writing down your positive things. You know, writing down that what enough, you know lots and lots of things that are positive about you, um, so that you have evidence of your positives you know just mm. to yeah, build yourself i think once you've like i say already once you've been put down for a long time it sort of feels like oh this is it you know it's normal that um i'm put down but it's it's not <laughs> if you can just you know collect evidence to prove to yourself no i am i'm okay i am i'm not stupid you know i'm not ugly i'm quite all right actually and i'm not fat whatever just collect it all to try and prove to yourself
0: mm-hmm. and i really like when you emphasize that to yourself because what i have heard is that um a very classic situation an example is that the narcissist calls you stupid and then you are like well these and these and these are the reasons why I am not stupid. But what then happens is the narcissist will always find a way to say, or prove somehow (laughs) to you that no, that doesn't mean that you are clever, it actually means that you were just I don't know, lucky or someone helped you or you didn't do it by yourself or anything like that. So that's why it's very important to not defend yourself, but to Prove it to yourself only, because otherwise you might then believe again. Okay, yeah, well, it makes sense that I didn't do it only by myself. I did ask for help, even though I did majority of it by myself. But then you somehow like uh, still believe their. I don't don't know how to call it counter arguments like exactly. there's se- second yeah. second round arguments like yeah, exactly. because they are
1: and fourth yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah because they will they yeah. will always win you in that game they will always yeah. find a reason or argument or anything to somehow tell you that no you are wrong you are not that great what you think you are yeah. Yeah.
1: And you've just said that's exactly it because it always turns into them being right and you being wrong. So rather than, you know, the whole projective identification, whatever they were saying, it turns into I'm right and you're wrong. Mm. And that's why we can't defend ourselves. We can't say anything back. Um, there's just no point because then it turns into a right and wrong. Mm. I'll do anything to get out of a right and wrong argument. Because the narcissist will always win mm. because they believe that they're right. I don't, but that doesn't matter. They always believe that they're right, and that's that. And yeah. they can make up some crazy stuff to, to believe that they're right. Yeah. So the second yeah. it tips into right and wrong, leave. <laughs> leave <laughs> exactly. the conversation, I mean. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um... Today we had some great questions and great answers. Thank you for listening to this podcast and thank you, Lucien, for joining me today and answering all these questions. Okay, thank
1: you. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure again. Thank <laughs> Thank you.